Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. It is great to see you guys. Thanks so much for being here as we kick off the big give this morning. We're excited about it because we every time we do one of these, and we, we've been doing this for, I don't know, four or five years leading up to Thanksgiving, it has changed lives. It impacts our community, and God does some beautiful things through our church, through us individually, and then throughout the community. So, uh, and I'll talk more about that today, why we're doing it, what we're doing, but first you need to understand the Big Give is simply put a celebration of generosity. It's an initiative for us to be able to reach out in the love of God to the needs of our neighbors right here in the Brazos Valley. And we do that through serving, through praying, and through giving. And so I'm going to focus on the first two this week a little bit and have you at the end to be praying about an amount to give for this next weekend as we come together the last Sunday before Thanksgiving, something we could give away, something we could give as a heart of gratitude towards the Lord. And, and I'll circle back to that a little bit later. But why are we doing this? Why do we take time to do this every year? Well, simply put, that in the day that we live in, so many people are spending a lot of time talking about all the problems in the world, and there are a lot, and there are a lot of things we could be talking about, but in that day, we want to be a part of the solution. As a matter of fact, we don't just want to be a part of the solution. We believe with all of our heart, that's why Jesus has us here. This is why God has us here at this time and this moment in history. For such a time as this, we're told in the book of Esther, that God has placed us here at this time, at this moment, for these challenges that we face. And we don't want to back away at all. <clears throat> and one of the kind of hallmark ideas, <clears throat> principles that we put out there every year that we really are trying to accomplish is that we're trying to communicate with our actions to our community that all people matter to God, whether God matters to them or not. And this isn't like my opinion or just something that we stumbled upon and said, oh, that's a cool idea. No, this is something that Jesus taught and he modeled over and over and over throughout the Gospels. Jesus was the first one ever to teach that everybody matters to God. Everybody matters to God. Now, we look at that today in the 21st century and say, well, that's just elementary, right? Everybody should believe that. Everybody ought to believe that way, that everybody has dignity, everybody has intrinsic worth and value, and we look at the whole world and the places where people have lost or never had their civil rights, we say it shouldn't be like that. People ought to be treated with dignity and respect and with, with, uh, with value, right? But we are looking at our world and our history through 21st century lenses. And I, we're going to have to take those off for just a minute to understand the cultural context in which Jesus teaches what we're going to look at today. Because Jesus begins teaching at a time where slavery wasn't just practiced, it was assumed. And what I mean by that is every single person in that Roman Empire society had to live every day with the assumption, I could become somebody's property. I could be somebody's slave. All it takes is one catastrophe, and I have to be an indentured servant to somebody. I can't live without somebody. 
their help. And, and in this society, people's lives were intrinsically demoted and diminished. And here's part of the reason why, a really large part of the reason why. In the first century Greco-Roman world, the pantheon of pagan gods that were worshipped and revered did not love people. They looked at people as little more than pawns to be moved around for their own personal advantage. Therefore, what was adopted by society was, you don't really have much value unless you could do something for me. Unless you have wealth or have power or both, I'm not going to really give you the time of day. That was the way people were treated. And into that kind of a culture, Jesus begins to teach into a culture where Rome had all the power. And even within his own people, the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders had been tasked with by the Roman Empire, you better keep your masses, all of your Jewish people under control or else we're going to take your high-ranking status within society away from you. You'll lose your position and your power, and we'll give it to somebody else. We'll give it to a Roman citizen rather than you. And so how did they keep the masses, all the Jewish people, and <clears throat> anybody who adopted the um, Jewish faith, how did they keep them under control? by imposing the Old Testament law upon them. In addition to that, 640 other Pharisaical laws that the Pharisees just came up with to help you to keep the laws a little bit better. So it was a crippling, crushing, legalistic load that they put on people to keep them in their place. But the cultural assumption that they taught and was pervasive throughout this Roman Empire was that God's favor rests on the prosperous and the healthy. And what's interesting is that still to this day, you will hear this kind of philosophy creep into the church sometimes, that God really blesses the healthy and the wealthy, and that's it. And Jesus, as you hope you'll see today, was adamantly opposed to that kind of an idea that that was not what he came to uphold. That is not what he came to say, yeah, let's keep propagating that, not at all. It was a time in history when compassion was considered weakness. Like it was worth, wasn't worth your time to show compassion or, uh, or kindness towards people who had a lower station in life than you. And here Jesus comes along teaching that all people had dignity. All people mattered to God. Jesus taught that compassion is a sign of strength at a time where might made right. Whoever was most powerful made the rules. Jesus came along and he says, I'm, I don't want you as my people to function like that. I want you to see that I want you to live completely different. I want you to shine like stars in a dark sky in the way that you live. That It will be such a contrast that people will see your heavenly Father through your life. Jesus, what he's about to teach, and this is the first time we have a record that he teaches this, he is about to upend. It is so shocking. It's hard for our 21st century minds to wrap our heads around this, but I hope that as you read these words of what Jesus is about to say, that it could kind of hit you fresh and be a little bit shocking to you, right? Because they're coming out of this cultural context that devalued people. And here's what Jesus said that was so shocking, starting with verse 42 of Matthew chapter 5. And this is the Sermon on the Mount, right outside of Capernaum. Jesus is on a hillside. Hundreds, maybe thousands of people gathered up, and he's teaching them. And here's what he says. 
He says, give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Wait a minute, Jesus. (laughs) What about the people who are trying to take advantage of me? What about the people who can't repay me? Do I, am I supposed to lend to them too? Am I supposed to give to them too? He says, exactly. And when you do that, that's perfect. Perfect? Yes, exactly. That's perfect. I'll explain more in just a minute. Okay, and Jesus continues, verse 43. Here's what he says. You have heard that it was said, and of course, again, he's, he's referring to these social mores, these kind of going philosophies of the day. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, as though I'm a new authority, I am the Lord, I am the king of this new kingdom, and I'm teaching you how to be a citizen of the kingdom of God. That's what he's doing. He's saying, Don't live like that anymore, but I tell you, love your, let's say these highlighted words together, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Say, what, Jesus? Love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. It is hard to put into words how shocking revolutionary. No, no one had ever taught anything like this. No one had ever said these kinds of words before in a serious way, like expecting people to follow it. This was Jesus presenting a whole new path. And and I'm sure people just like today, when they read this afresh and and like right off the page, you kind of go, who does that? And Jesus would have said, exactly no average person. But here's the real question. If you call yourself a Christ-following person, you're a Christian person, the question is, do you do this? Do I do this? If you're a parent, do your kids catch you praying for the people who make your life a living hell? That's what Jesus is talking about here. Are you willing to pray for that God would bless, help you to love them better? Whoa! You want to talk about (laughs) countercultural? That goes against every fiber of our being as a red-blooded American person, right? Like, we don't do that. We demand rights, and we don't let anybody ever take anything from us, right? Now, Jesus is saying, look, I want you to learn how to love people that are really hard to love. I want you to be able to show compassion. Students, that teacher, that professor that seems to have it out for you, are you praying for them? Right? They're making life really hard on you, especially as you get closer to finals, right? (laughs) Pray for them. Pray for your boss. Pray for your parent. Pray for that coworker or neighbor or whoever that makes life really difficult for you. These are opportunities. Jesus wanted you to see these are opportunities for God to do something really supernatural, something beautiful through you that they don't expect. Something that the knee-jerk reaction, the natural fleshly reaction of a human being is not to go this way. But he's saying, I want you to learn how to do what is unnatural for the flesh, but will become natural in terms of following the Spirit. That when you obey the Spirit, you will not accomplish the works of the flesh. He's, He's teaching us how to rewire our brains. Why? 
He told us in the next verse, verse 45, that, that what? That God will finally get them? Is that what you're going to say, Jesus? He's going to get after them, right? No, that you may be children of your Father in heaven, that you will resemble, you will reflect your heavenly Father, your loving Father, referring back to that last series that we just did on the Trinity of the Father is a loving Father. Now Jesus is saying, with that in mind, reflect it. You show that forth. In, in, in other words, what Jesus is teaching us is something really interesting that gets missed a lot of time. He's showing us that God sometimes allowed this world to mistreat us so that we might show forth our family resemblance. Is that shocking or what? Sometimes God allows people to make our life harder so that we have an opportunity to shine our light, to be able to show forth love and kindness that they do not deserve, just like Jesus showed us love we did not deserve. He's showing us this is what God had in mind. And, and just a few verses before this, in chapter 5, verse 16, Matthew, Jesus says, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They will see the resemblance of your Father on you. And they will immediately know, that ain't Will Lewis. I know that guy. That had to be God. Like, they will immediately associate it with it's because of your faith. It's because you are surrendering and submitting and following and obeying a higher authority than what is inside of you. And Jesus is saying, this is how you glorify your Father in heaven. You learn to love people that either cannot or will not love you back. This is so important. And he goes on to say, the rest of the verse, he causes, he being the heavenly Father, he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, he's speaking to an agricultural society that understands that without rain and without sunshine, there would be no food, which means there would be no animals, there would be no human beings, there would be no nothing. They had already, they, they figured this out really quick, that only God can control sun and rain. And he lavishes it. He makes it available to evil people and good people. He opens the floodgates of his provision for everybody. He's loving on people who love him and those who don't love him. And Jesus is showing us, God wants to teach you and I how to do the exact same. Are you willing to bless those who bless you and those who do not bless you? Will you do that? Will you live indiscriminately like that? And he goes on to explain it a little further in verse 46. He says, And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Now, he's referring to an eternal reward. And I even believe blessings that God wants to bring right here, right now. Like, he's talking about God moving in your life. He says, If you just love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Now, it's hard to, in our, again, 21st century mind, to wrap around the kind of visceral anger and hatred that the Jewish community would have towards a tax collector. Imagine somebody who is legally stealing from you. 
that legally is taking, like, they were, yeah, collecting taxes for the Roman government, but they could skim off the top. They could surcharge as much as they wanted, and they did, and they were rich. All the tax collectors lived in big old houses, had, like, the coolest camels, right? I don't know what all, but they were <laughs> envied by all because of their material cool stuff. Had the biggest flat screen TVs, if there was a, such a thing, right? They had whatever what everybody wished they had. They had them, and they got them through crooked, illegal means, although the Roman government had made it legal for them to do these horrible things. And Jesus is making the point, imagine the most hated group within your society. I mean, like the mafia, the worst possible, like they live to do evil and they benefit of living off of the, the vulnerabilities of innocent people or something. You know, he says, imagine people like that. Don't those people within their own community, they do for themselves? Don't they show love like, hey, I, I, you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. I'll do for you if you'll do for me, right? Jesus is showing us, I'll do for you if you'll do for me. That's not generosity. At best, that's reciprocity. That's just reciprocation. That's like, I'll do for you what you do for me is not the kind of love that Jesus came to give. He had everything to give and he had nothing to gain from us at all. Zero. Jesus was showing us that I want to show greater, he goes, I want you to show greater love than them because you have been shown greater love. I, I'm calling you to a higher standard because you are connected to a God that is higher than all of the stuff going on here. You're tapping into a reservoir, a resource that should allow you to love at a higher level than all of these other people. And he goes on to unpack it a little further in verse 47 where he says this, and if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that. The pagans, those who worship these polytheistic idols that are not the true God. Like, don't those people, they, they turn around and do favors for one, one another. As a matter of fact, in that greater Palestinian area at that time, it was very common within their culture to have these dinner parties where they would invite people over, people of equal or higher social status. And they did this strategically because they wanted to come over and socialize and rub shoulders with people that outrank them in society in hopes to climb that social ladder to maybe get their kids to marry a little better this next go around and be able to get, get to be friends or with people a little more wealthy and open a little bit more doors, etc. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to act like that. I want you to love people who have nothing to offer you. I want you to go out of your way to bless people who cannot, like they, even if they wanted to, they couldn't, they don't have the resources to turn around and bless you. I want you to learn how to do this. I want you to get noticed for treating people well, even those who don't treat you well. I want you to learn how to live like this. And if you will learn to live like this, Jesus says, perfect. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I want. In verse 48, this is how he ends this little part of the teaching here. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, what on earth is Jesus talking about? Be perfect? Wow. Well, let me tell you what he didn't mean by perfection. He didn't mean don't ever make a mistake and don't ever sin. 
That's what the Pharisees thought that perfect was. And as a matter of fact, that's the kind of persona they tried to emit. They tried to emanate wherever they went, that they had it all together, really good, very judgmental, very arrogant, very prideful, stiff-armed God. They were the ones who orchestrated, by the way, the crucifixion. They are the ones who killed Jesus. Jesus is saying, don't be like that. That's not the kind of perfection I'm talking about. But when we look at the larger context of what Jesus is teaching from verse 41 down to 48, 42 to 48 rather, here's what we learn. That perfection, what he keeps going back to, is doing good for those who either cannot or will not do good for you. Because that's the way God loves us. This is the way God loves us through Jesus, that Jesus came and he modeled this, preached this over and over and over. And when you learn to love people like that, not only is it perfect, you're getting it right, but that God-likeness is what Jesus is talking about as godliness. Godliness. It's learning how to love those who either cannot or will not love you back. You want to look like God? Learn how to love people like that. Learn how to behave like that. Let me just say this as a quick side note before I dive into, because Jesus gave us so many beautiful examples of him loving people like this, showing this inc incredible kind of love that is, that is non-reciprocal. It's just he's giving just to give. But before I dive into that, let me just say this, that Jesus also modeled that love is not the same thing as approval. And I think this needs to be said in the day that we live today, that we can love people. As a matter of fact, we shouldn't just love people. We're commanded to love people without fully approving their lifestyle or their choices. You, you, we have to love people that we don't, we don't approve or we don't agree with all the things that they're involved in. As a matter of fact, if you are a parent... You can't even be a good parent without doing this. You, you, we all love our kids, but there are times you look at them and say, how could you have made this decision? How could you have made this boneheaded, dumb choice for your life, right? We love them too much to see them ruin their life, so we will interject ourselves sometimes. We will insert ourselves and say, look, no, stop, no, don't do that. And we, we disapprove of a lifestyle choice, not because we don't love them, because we do love them. It's looking for opportunities to speak the truth in love, as the Apostle Paul said, with compassion, with love, understanding the brokenness and the hurtfulness that may have caused that sin in the first place. Don't come with a judgy heart. Come with a loving heart, but speak the truth. Speak the truth in love. And this is what Jesus did over and over and over. We've got to learn the careful, gentle, loving art of speaking the truth in love. And here's what Jesus did. I just want to show you a couple of moments where Jesus constantly brought dignity to individuals in society who they said they had none, no dignity at all. Like the Samaritan woman, the woman at the well. <clears throat> She's coming to get water in the middle of the day, which means she was ostracized. She was, she was kicked out of the club of the local community of women because she had had failed relationship after failed relationship after failed relationship. And through the conversation with Jesus, we find out she's been with five different men, lived with, married to, different varying degrees of commitment. And Jesus, you know, if he was going to follow the social mores of his day, there was a major racial tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. They did not enter 
you know, even talk to each other. They treated, the Jews especially treated the Samaritans like they were second-class citizens. They were less than human, right? They hated them viscerally for some historical things I can get down to another time. But Jesus here, a Jewish man, and on top of that, a rabbi, a teacher, so important in the community, he makes time to talk to her. And he gratifies her questions. He sits and talks to her. As a matter of fact, what's amazing, that in, in, uh, I believe it's in John chapter 4, it's the first time we see Jesus reveal the fact that he is the Messiah, and he does it with this woman, just showing he valued her, he valued her opinion, he never talked to her again as far as we know, but in that moment, he gave her such value and love through that conversation, that it changed her life. The next one, the Roman centurion's servant, he comes up and, can you please come heal my servant? Which the servant was, were really nothing more than slaves back then. They were less than second-class citizens. Jesus drops what he's, he's doing and says, yes, I'll go with you. We'll go, I'm going to heal your slave. Validating the, how important this slave was like anybody else. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. You remember Zacchaeus, the wee little man who climbed up the tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? You remember the little song? I'm, that's what I'm doing. So people are like, he's weird. Uh, but <laughs> Zacchaeus was this little tax collector, wealthy man, but was so curious. He wanted to meet Jesus so bad. Jesus sees him in the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. We're going to have dinner at your house to this, this evening. So Jesus has dinner with this known criminal. Do you think that caused some talk around town? And before he leaves his house that evening, he says, salvation has come to this house. God has put his blessing of salvation. Like they, he had turned his heart towards the Lord. And he says, and everybody I've ripped off, and I've ripped off a lot of people, Jesus, I'm going to pay him back four times what I, what I, wouldn't it be great if everybody did that, right? Everybody I ripped off, I'm going to pay him back four times what I took. This is what happened with him. Jesus validated his worth. Matthew's friends, Matthew, again, another tax collector. Jesus asks him to come and follow him, and he says, tonight, let's have dinner at your house. Invite all your friends. I'll bring my disciples, and we'll hang out. So all these tax collectors, sinners, like the most famous sinners in the whole town show up at this party that Jesus is at, right? It's crazy. And all the Pharisees were over in the side. You see, looking, sneering, and I'm like, can't believe he's talking to those sinners, they even know who those guys are. He be, he's become a friend of tax collectors and sinners. It was like a title that Jesus wore with honor. Yes, I'm a, I'm a friend of sinners. And as a matter of fact, if you don't recognize the fact that you are a sinner, I can't be your friend either. And that's how it works. And he validated them. And then finally, children, at a time where children were certainly intended to be seen and not heard, keep them away from the important people, Jesus told the disciples, don't you hinder those little children from coming to me. And he would put them on his knee, and he would hold them, and he would bless them. He loved those kids. And this was just not done in his day, and he validated people over and over and over. And if this weren't enough, on top of all that, he gives his life away physically for sinners like us at the end of his ministry and resurrects from the dead so that he can offer salvation back to all people. And here's what he asked us to do, to, that we should become famous for how well we treat people. 
Because when we learn to love people, whether they love us or not, when we learn how to be generous and kind and loving to other people, whether they will not or cannot love us back, we reflect the love of God. And I'm telling you, it's the most powerful, effective principle of doing evangelism in a world where you're trying to share good news. There's this old saying that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you, you care. That's right. You've heard it before. It's so true. And when people know how much we care, all of a sudden their ears perk up. Yeah, tell me about your Jesus. Because I've been feeling his love through you for some time now. So I am open. I'm hungry. I'm I'm attentive. I want to hear. And this is what he calls us to do. This is what he asks us to to behave in terms of how we're to live this out. So this is what the big give is all about, is us having this opportunity to serve, to pray, and to give back to our community. So here's the the big give goal that I want to share with you right now. It's simply, it's not a dollar amount. It's simply 100% participation. And here's our promise to you. We're going to give 100% of it away. 100% of what is earmarked big give, the big give, we're going to give away. We're going to give away to our community. And we've been doing this for a number of years now. And God has used it over and over again. And here's what I want to do. And I ask you to begin to pray about next Sunday, we're going to ask you to bring your big give gift. If you can't be here physically, you can do it online on our website. We'll have a button you can hit, big give gift. You can just click it. And, uh, and we're going to have opportunities for you to be able to just do it that way. And we're going to give all that outside of the church. Now, let me talk about um, where we can serve and pray, and then I'm going to go back to the give part and what we're giving organizations we're going to give those to. First, I want to make you aware of this incredible database called the Care Portal, okay? The Care Portal is a database that is fed into by CPS caseworkers right here in the Brazos Valley that work with our foster families and with just regular families that have hit hard times that need extra um, supplies to be able to keep their kids, to be able to have a home where the CPS doesn't take their kids away. They're trying to help these families to win, and we want to help them to win, right? So this care portal is a place where in real time, those CPS caseworkers can upload, hey, this family needs a single bed. Hey, this family needs, does anybody know of a good pest control? They need to have, they need to have their house sprayed. They need, and they may need money. They may need money to help with a, a, you know, a, a, a purchase or something. They may need uh, just some supplies. You might have laying around your house to say, hey, I've got that. I'll bring it over right now. And you could be a blessing to somebody like the same day. And so I just want to encourage you that if you would be open to just uh, open an access to Care Portal so that you're aware of these. And you can also click on there and say, I'm going to be praying for the need. You can indicate, I'm praying for that need. And also, I'd like to help with the need. However you want at whatever level you'd like to help, here's what we're asking you to do. Simply, um, first of all, if everybody get out their phone for just a second, all right? You can get out your phone. Don't feel like you're being sacrilegious in church. You get your phone out. You're, the pastor's telling you to do it. It's okay. Get your phone out, right? And here's what I'd like you to do. Text the word big give, one word, big give to 97000. And all we're going to do, this doesn't commit you to anything. We're just going to send you a link to Care Portal. 
and you can set up your own link to Care Portal so that you can know how to pray for and how to help with as we go into these holiday seasons. Like, wouldn't it be good to know some of the most dire needs from the most needy families in our community? This is a great place. This is an incredible place for that to take place. And I just want to encourage you, it's a place to serve and to begin to pray for the needs in our community to do exactly what Jesus has commanded us to do as we looked at today. Now, the Big Give gift that we're talking about this next weekend, there are three organizations that are actually connected to the CARE portal. The first one is BCS Together, which is an incredible ministry organization that serves all of the foster care system here in the Brazos Valley that helps the families, the kids. They do all kinds of incredible work that make possible. And it's just so awesome to see that the vast majority of families that are taking these foster kids in are Christian families that just are trying to be obedient to Jesus. And we get to come alongside them and help them and bless them. And we get to do that through BCS Together. The next one is Unlimited Potential, which is a great organization that helps the kids that are aging out of foster care right? And they're, they're helping them to get on their feet, find jobs, education, places to live, etc. Do great work to help these kids. Sometimes these kids just need a chance. They just need an opportunity. And just like all of us, when we were first starting out, you need somebody to give you an opportunity. And somebody did, didn't they? And this is our chance to do that for them. And then finally, Unbound, which is an incredible ministry opportunity, ministry organization that is working to stop human trafficking, and specifically human trafficking right here in the Brazos Valley. And now that may be shocking to you, but it happens here. They, they do some incredible work with education and how to help people to look out for this, how to help those, specifically women and girls that get caught up in this, this just horrible situation and help them to get free, help them to get back on their feet, to get help that they need, to get healthy again, they do some incredible work. And so this is a, another organization where we get to bless some people. Some of the most, these three organizations really touch some of the most needy people in our uh, county that we could help be a part of blessing them and helping them and being the hands and feet of Jesus to them. So I want to invite you to, first of all, Text the, the big give to 97000. Get that connection set up. And then the next thing is just, and, and you can join in prayer for these opportunities and also to give to them. But be praying about next Sunday. What does God want you to give towards helping these organizations that are trying to make such a difference? And they are making a difference. We've been partnering with them for years now, and we've seen such beautiful things that they've been a part of. And so here's the last thing I want to just share with you. The 21st century church took seriously what Jesus said. They were willing to be generous with no strings attached. And they changed the world through that kind of love. Wouldn't it be great if the 21st century church of Jesus Christ became known for that? And here's what I'm asking you to do with me. Let's make sure Brazos Fellowship is known for that. Let's make sure we say, not in our backyard, not in our neighborhood, are we going to let all these needs go unchecked? We're going to help meet the needs. We're going to help be a part of answering that call to help. And we're going to do it in the name of Jesus with grace and truth. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. 
For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.